0: Yay! <laughs> and we're back. Week number four. I'm so glad you kept count. I was like, what what episode is this? <laughs>
1: yeah. It's episode number four. Yes. Yes, it is. So I'm Lara.
0: I'm Amy. And, and
1: this is Literary
0: Laughing. Our intro is just as good as our first week. In case you're missing it. Wait, my book might be better. I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, it okay. sounded good. Okay, good. Ta-da. And I got a preview of your book. It's really thick. It, it's like
1: one of those kind of hand-sized books. Mm. Good book that you could hold in one hand. Oh, oh in your that's your of scary. If you're a man, not a woman. Uh, what is that supposed to say about female hands? No, that I said it could, it could fit in your back pocket if you were a man, not a woman. Oh, I women's hear, pockets are I tiny. and not This hearing. is not that tiny. I wasn't carrying. <laughs> like, like, I like everyone hear. knows this. It is a sexist thing that women's pockets are smaller.
0: Yeah, and, oh, I was thinking more you Pretty like what? A woman's <laughs> hand's too small. Like what is this?
1: <laughs> as someone who has largish hands, I do. <laughs> oh, maybe mine are normal size. Mine are the same size as yours.
0: I think maybe, maybe know, we both have hands are hands. supposed to somehow be proportional to your body for the most part.
1: I was noticing the other day that one of my sisters has really short fingers, and I think she's the only one in my family that has such short fingers. Hmm. Then I was thinking about it and I was wondering if we just had abnormally large hands and she has normal ones. I don't know. I
0: don't know either. The thing that I'm thinking about right now is when I was getting my hair cut a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my hairdresser because she was doing her thing and we were just talking and she was like, oh yeah, my mom rescues pit bulls. And I was like, okay and then she talked about how her mom ended up getting putting her hand in the middle of a dog fight and got the top part of her finger bitten off ah. then, wait, boy, wait, this is the part that got me the nail started growing back Yeah, so she just has a nail oh some of the finger underneath oh yeah we should uh, do a
1: content warning. <laughs> so we talk about things that may or may not be appropriate for your child or colleagues to hear. So... Put your headphones on. Be wise. On. Put your headphones on. Turn that volume
0: down. Or just tell them this is the things you don't say in class, okay? Don't talk about people's fingers getting
1: bitten off and the fingernail growing back.
0: Yeah. Some kid, like, is sitting with his friend's nails. Is there his or her. We don't know. Just sitting by the side being like, and the dog can bite off your finger, and the nail's going to grow really long. <laughs> and then a letter the doubt about fingernails. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Oh. Oh, maybe I shouldn't Uh, tell us. That's when we know we're we're real influencers.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. So, a little bit about the format of our show. (laughs) We choose random books to read to each other, Mm -hmm. and uh, before the podcast, we go through our books separately and find a couple of passages to read to each other that are particularly. Interesting, funny, weird, off-the-wall. Things we
0: might want to talk about just because it's engaging.
1: And then we read back the book. We describe the front of the book. We show each other the covers. We talk about the author. And then we read a couple more random places in the book.
0: Yep. And we also... Well, the random pages aren't just random. We will ask we well there's one part where we will change choose a random page and then we will also have the person um choose a random number yes Yes. cool all right so who i think i'm going first this week i think so Sorry, I was just
1: pulling up my author and
0: for me. I just did a quick search on my author. I knew a little bit about him, so you know me I mean. I'm, I'm really good about my book reports and uh, getting these things done. Good. Good. Yeah. We're a very organized podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we're really into that podcasting research and... Structure, yeah, professionalisms. Non-random conversations. It's not random if there is a starting point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where we end up might be random, but there is a starting point. You can follow that
0: thread back. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I'm trying to figure out where I want to start in this because, uh, okay, so we also, the other part about this podcast, which if it's the first time listening, we should let you know, we pick up these books at resale shops. Um, So this book I got at Half Price Books. This is not one I got specifically for the podcast. It is one that I've taken off my shelf that I've gotten at Half Price Books, and it's actually one of my favorites um just because it is random and smart and yeah so that is why i should probably start okay some realists would go further arguing that In the end, human-zombie alliances of convenience would be just as likely to emerge as human-human alliances. As previously noted, many zombies in the canon start out possessing strategic intelligence, making them more than capable of recognizing the virtues of tactical agreements with some humans. Some zombie study scholars might object at this point, arguing that flesh-eating gals can can neither talk nor develop strategic thought. Even if they did not, Though realists would point to Romero's zombie for empirical support. Even in Night of the Living Dead, Romero's gals demonstrated the capacity for using tools. In each of his subsequent films, the undead grew more cognitively complex. The zombie characters of Bub in Day of the Dead and Big Daddy in Land of the Dead were painted with a more sympathetic brush than most of the human characters. Both Bub, Bub and Big Daddy learned how to use firearms. Bub was also able to speak, perform simple tasks, and engage in impulse control, that is, to refrain from eating a human he liked. Big Daddy and his undead cohort developed a hierarchical authority structure with the ability to engage in tactical and strategic learning. In doing so, they overran a well-fortified human redo Rideau- and killed it. Most powerful leader, it would take only the mildest of cognitive leaps to envision a zombie-articulated defense of these actions at the United Nations. By the end of *Land of the Dead*, the, the lead zombie character, oh, the lead, Blah. the lead zombie character, and the <laughs> zombie that's character, that's character that's acknowledge a, tass- a tacit bargain to leave each other alone. This is perfectly consistent with the realism the realist paradigm. For zombies to survive and thrive, they must avoid losing their brains, and like humans, they also must adapt to the rigors of anarchy and world politics. While some emerging zombie governments might pursue radical anti-human policies at first, the anarchical system would... The the anarchical system would eventually discipline a modern moderation of views. In a world of sophisticated zombies, alliances between human states and zombie states are possible. Indeed, any government that tried to develop a grand coalition targeting the undead would immediately trigger the security dilemma. Real politic states would ex- exploit any move towards an idealist uh, idealistic global war on zombies by creating temporary alliances of convenience with emerging gal governments. A more passive strategy would be to encourage what John Mearsheimer labels bait and bleed and bloodletting strategies. In these instances, real estates would try to foment conflict between anti-zombie states and the gals themselves profiting at the relative losses incurred by both sides. I could go on to the last paragraph if you would like me to. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Diving right in with zombie knowledge. Yes. Now is it on knowledge. your reading bookshelf. You've you, you yes. chose this book to
0: read for yourself. Oh, I read this whole book. Wow. So the book is called Theories of International Politics and Zombies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow that's actually really good
0: yes so it says what would happen to international politics if the dead rose from the grave and started to eat the living daniel dresner's oh yeah it's by daniel dresner by the way daniel dresner's groundbreaking book answers the question that other international relations scholars have been too scared to ask addressing timely issues with analytical bite Dresner looks at how well-known theories from international relations might be applied to a war with zombies, exploring the plots of popular zombie films, songs, and books. Theories of international politics and zombies predicts realistic scenarios for the political stage in the face of a zombie threat and considers how valid or how rotten such scenarios might be. Dresner boldly lurches into the breach and stress tests the ways that different approaches to world politics would explain policy responses to the living dead. He examines the most prominent international relations theories, including realism, liberalism, constructivism, neoconservatism, and bureaucratic, bureaucratic politics, and decomposes their predictions. He digs into prominent zombie films and novels such as Night of the Living Dead and World War Z to see where essential theories hold up and where they would stumble and fall. Dresner argues that by thinking of about outside-of-the-box threats, we get a cognitive grip on what former U.S. Backlap. security Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld famously referred to as the unknown unknowns in an international security, correcting the zombie gap in international relations thinking and addressing the genuine but publicly unacknowledged fear of the dead rising from the grave theories of international politics and zombies presents political tactics and strategies accessible enough for any zombie to digest. I would agree with that. that yeah. is, this book is very easy to digest. If this like perks your interest whatsoever, I would say it is. We don't usually advertise books. We find some things interesting, but as I said, I'm very biased about this book. So about the author, Daniel Dresner is a professor of international politics at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University. He has some other books as well. And yeah, he's mostly known for his scholarship and commentary on international relations and international political economy. And he is a non-resident senior fellow at the Project on International Order and Strategy at the Brookings Institute institution whatever that is nice yeah so he's a smart dude he's a doctorate he got that PhD doctor no. sounds mm-hmm. really intelligent mm-hmm. yeah what did you I like how like you're like wow I just have to keep hearing you go oh. and the best part of this I can show you it has drawings <gasps> what this is zombie presenting at the United Nations <laughs> Uh, And the cover, it's, I mean, it's just words on gray and and zombies is in red. So
1: Uh, this book is
0: not that interesting.
1: Red blood.
0: Red blood and zombies.
1: It makes it look like a practical book that somebody wrote that little like, and zombies on later, which I guess is how it's supposed to look.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like this... Well, wait. I, I picked out some of this, and I feel like I should point out that some of this might have COVID trigger warnings just because uh, there's this one part that I was reading. Okay. I'm going to go off cusp and I'm going to give you a choice between the chapter titles. okay Okay. so you can choose you can actually choose my next reading because i don't know which one i want to do okay so it can be regulating the undead social construction of zombies and bureaucratic politics oh i know regulating the undead okay this one actually is pretty funny all right again i am sorry for anybody that is bored by this or if i'm giving you a headache this one is going to be a little bit long, but it's pretty interesting. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry if you're bored by it, but it's pretty interesting.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to us that this is our podcast, so uh, you can skip if you have to. <laughs>
1: Just come back and listen to my book.
0: <laughs> yeah, listen to her book, because, of course, I, I went off Hilter a little bit. Okay. The liberal paradigm would predict uh, the liberal paradigm would predict two significant loopholes that could form within the confines of a global counter-zombie regime. First, some countries might fail to provide timely information about zombie outbreaks until the problem had escalated beyond local control. Huh, has that happened? Yeah. What? Authoritarian yeah. countries are often reluctant to admit health crises because of the threat such an admission would uh, such an admission could have on state control over society non-democratic regimes are less likely to invest in the public goods necessary to prevent or constrain disasters this is one reason why the loss of life from disasters is greater in authoritarian countries local officials could delay reporting a zombie outbreak up the change of command for fear of being the bearer of bad news. Developing countries might lack the infrastructure to detect the reemergence of the living debt. They would con- certainly fear the economic impact of any policy response by large market jurisdiction to an announced outbreak of flesh-eating ghouls. China's initial refusal to notify the rest of the world of its SARS cases in a timely, transparent, and verifiable manner is the exemplar case of this kind of policy conundrum. China behaves in a similar manner in World War Z, going so far as to trigger a crisis with Taiwan to disguise the extent of their zombie problem. Second, I just see you shaking your head.
1: (laughs) Well, i was just thinking of it in relation to like how they handled COVID-19 compared to how they handled SARS. So I wonder what his update would be.
0: I know. Yeah. And
1: with the information coming out that the U.S. had cases, like, way back in September of 2019,
0: like... That we so, try to keep under wraps? Yeah. And also a bit dudes with zombies. Like, this is... Wow. I don't even know. Yeah. There's like, already zombies that they hid in a bunker. Oh, That's yeah. Crazy. I'm sure. Out we could actually house. start this. Refer- okay, anyways. I'll keep on going to the next second part of this
1: Park. this rumor exists i saw a movie what movie was it it had the guy from uh galaxy not galaxy what's the marvel movie with all with the the like old music and the guy with the walkman and
0: uh-huh. guardians of the guardians galaxy of the, galaxy. We the bald to to-
1: blue guy was in this other movie about Zombie vampire things,
0: oh, in Vegas, right? yeah, and, and, so, become, and it's like this they talk they become really well organized. this book yeah. is so important, and you shouldn't skip it. We don't know when the zombies will be let loose. yes we by the military the politics of a zombie land.
1: the military was transporting the the zombie vampire king. oh, well, that's how he got loose,
0: well anyways we shouldn't have trusted them anyways i would not finish watching the movie just so everyone knows. could probably watch it and then we can have a full <laughs> discussion about this and how it put falls into this international politics uh, yes okay second it would not be surprising if non-governmental organizations ngos devoted to the defense of the living dead acted as an impediment to their er- eradication uh, this is my favorite part. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is of my favorite parts of the book, because I can imagine this happening. The ability of NGOs to alter global governance structures is a matter of some debate within international relations scholarship. At a minimum, however, global to civil society can raise the transaction costs of implementing the rules of global governance. At least one nonprofit organization in favor of zombie equality already exists. Great Britain's Citizen for Undead Rights and Equality. What? So maybe Great Britain already has some zombies that we don't know about because there's already a group dedicated wow. to Wow. Yeah. The formation of more powerful activist groups, Zombie Rights Watch, Zombies Without Borders, Zombie Aid, or People for the Ethical Treatment of Zombies would undoubtedly make it diff- difficult for the W Z O to achieve perfect eradication. <laughs> okay. And then it goes into a little bit more detail.
1: This makes sense though.
0: It does make I sense. I could totally see sense. that happening. Yeah, this is like, another like lovely, like hand-drawn photo. I love it. It's, it's, it's like people classic. protesting.
1: It's, it's, Treat the undead with respect. My dad is a zombie. I love him. Once you go undead, you never go
0: back. Oh, my God. Z pride, Z power. Zombies are people, too. Sort of. Lots
1: of merchandise. Yes. That's where you're going to make the money before you get sucked into the undead.
0: It says, oh, and it has... I can barely read his name, but his first name's Arnie. Arnie, I liked your art. So...
1: I'm sure it says it somewhere in the front of the book
0: yeah probably it's just really small and he does all of it it's Arnie Kartnikov I think he's an artist in this book something like that pretty good wow I know
1: would you you join a
0: zombies activist movement no
1: I remember pretty early on when zombies started to become popular, there was this online quiz that was like, how long would you survive in a zombie apocalypse? And in my entire circle of friends and family, I was the one who would survive the longest because I was willing to shoot my own family and friends if they started turning.
0: <laughs> I was the only one that checked yes. Really? Not to be like a complete doomsday proper, but... You should have some idea how you would survive. Yeah. My favorite one that I've heard so far is that you should put on leather. Because if we can't eat steak, how can we actually bite through leather garments?
1: True. The leather would be really uncomfortable. I don't think... I think I, I have a leather jacket, maybe. Well, I mean, I'm recording I in my closet. Like I literally just looked around. A lot of
0: arteries and...
1: Yeah. You mm-hmm. just want to protect the head and neck and, but you don't want to get bitten at all. You can't get bitten sweater, Wear every single sweater that you own, even though you live in a
0: state that doesn't really need sweaters. And then you hope <laughs> that you like survive to the point that zombies are ready to negotiate.
1: <laughs> Open up the blood banks and we'll
0: stop. Oh, I know. Give us free blood. We will, we will help you in your aid of money if you give us blood donations or something. No, <laughs> well, but that's more a vampire. I
1: guess that's true. Then what do the zombies want? They just want to. Oh, they just want to eat you.
0: Yeah, they want like fresh organs.
1: I don't even know. Like, couldn't they? Do they want humans specifically, or can they eat? Like, I guess it
0: has to be. <laughs> Oh, in, in case you choose the, the page, I won't tell you the joke. So, cause he makes the joke and I would just be stealing it. <laughs> okay. I choose that page. <laughs> that page. Yeah, I will, I will read you that page. Okay. Actually, it's one of the pages I flagged already. Okay, good. Do you you want me just to start from where I flagged and then go to the joke? Yes. Do it. Okay. Yes. Okay. The conformity meme appears frequently in the zombie canon. In World War Z, Brooks noted the existence of quizlings, humans who acted like they were zombies. As one character described them, these people were zombies, maybe not physically, but mentally you could not tell the difference. In Sean of the Dia, the principal characters practice shuffling and moaning in order to blend in. In Reuben Fletch- Fletcher's "Zombie Land," Bill Murray put on zombie makeup in order to get out for an evening, and he also played goth. It's not just for an evening. Yes. Even if zombies adopt, even if hum- sorry, even if humans adopt zombie norms simply to survive, over time, these actions will begin to cons- uh, constitute their identity. Norms acquire general acceptance through a combination of greater numbers and the intrinsic attractiveness of the practices themselves. While one could casually dismiss the idea that eating live human flesh would be attractive, other components of zombie lifestyle might be alluring to many humans. The living dead do not feel the need to bathe, shave, or change their clothes, nor do they judge their own kind based on appearances. Zombies do not discriminate based on race, color, creed, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. They always hang out in large packs. They are extremely eco-friendly. Zombies walk everywhere and only eat organic foods. Wow. This accurately captures many of the lifestyle traits of the typical college student, the change agent of many societies. Zombies might have hidden reserves of soft power, leading humans to want what zombies want. If this cultural vanguard were to embrace the zombie way of life, remaining survivors would eventually internalize all zombie norms. They would include, this, these would include guttural moaning, shuffling, and smelling like death warmed over. In the end, both socialized humans and zombies would crave the flesh of unrepentant humans. At this point, the conceptual category of zombies would not be restricted to reanimated corpses it would be a social construct as well. Wow. Yeah. Talk about influential. Yeah. I mean, I would be completely happy not to shave my legs, but I wouldn't go so far as I'm getting that lazy. Let's become my inner zombie out and... Yeah. Cannibalize.
1: I'm going to look like the undead, so I'm going to stop washing my face, actually my entire body, letting myself smell like rotting meat.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: Sounds like something I do for myself. Self-love, self-care.
0: Yeah. It's not that I'm lazy, lazy. It's just a way of life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the one part about this that I'm, I would have issue with is are people doing it because they think they would die if they didn't change right. over to the zombie way of life? Because I
1: think they were doing it in Shaun of the Dead was they were trying not to die. Well, I yeah, guess Bill Murray was doing it too. He just wanted to golf and
0: have a day out. Yeah. So he was just in constant zombie mode so that... He could blend in with his zombie friends. Yeah. And that's what got him killed. Well, when well, he I wasn't was around his
1: zombie friends, he was around his new friends.
0: Yeah. That didn't know he was just play acting.
1: So. <laughs> it's one of the saddest but funniest
0: parts of that movie. I know. I That it has to be one of my favorite movies. That's such a good movie. It's such a pure, just
1: like, crazy movie that makes no sense and is just fun but it does have a lot of rules yes yes
0: Mm -hmm. okay do i do as a random page yes okay let me actually take my markers out so i'm not tempted okay to be sure even realists would acknowledge some shifts in the global distribution of power from the reanimation of the dead Some governments will be better placed to repulse the zombies than others. Those with greater security and communications infrastructures should be able to put down any internal zombie insurrections and reestablish domestic order or block cross-border zombie insurrections. States with low population densities would have more time to adapt to the presence of the undead geographic isolation would be no guarantee of zombie prevention. As Romero demonstrated in The Land of the Dead and Max Brooks showed in his novel World War Z, there is no stopping power of water for the, for the undead because they have no need to breathe. Nevertheless, geograph, geography still matters. Some geographic features alter the offense-defense balance by, via uh, an, intern, sorry, an external attack. In other words, defense is easier than offense in certain kinds of terrain, such as coastlines or mountain ranges. Realists would expect countries with mountain, mountainous borders to be more likely to thwart hordes of foreign flesh-eating gowls. Some states would undoubtedly be completely overrun by the living dead. He's, I mean, swimming zombies? No. Yeah,
1: that would be scary, I guess. I'm already scared to swim in natural bodies of water anyways because of what might be in there so I guess it wouldn't be a huge thing for me. I don't live in an area of the world thankfully where we'll I have to worry about alligators or crocodiles in a swimming pool but um I guess it would be just kind of like that like check your pool before you jump in make sure because you don't have I'll be
0: laying at the bottom ready to eat you. Yeah.
1: That's not a shadow. That's not a sticker on the bottom of your pool. That's a zombie.
0: What if it's like your guard zombie? Be like, no, no, we told you. Mm-hmm. No, we <laughs> talked about this
1: before. What do we get for getting the discount one? I know. Gosh,
0: we can't train these zombies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Was that weird, maybe? zombie. Enough, That'll be right activists. come up. Like, send us angry emails. You shouldn't be keeping them as car dogs. Zombies are humans. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you need to pay them. We do. We buy them premium beef. Gosh. Is I it know. organic?
0: I know. Pasture raised Grass-fed. All of a sudden, they're just using all of the genetic science just to make a bunch of, like, Three meals for zombies. They Some not real. Any grains. clothes, humans. Okay. You yeah. ready? You ready for this? Yeah, okay. Skip road, <laughs> We're done with zombies. <laughs> it's Lara's turn to read a book. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: The first time she had seen one, she had panicked and yelled for Tony. He had come running outside and had only been too happy to chop the poor snake in half with a shovel. It seemed to Angie the two halves of the severed snake had wiggled forever. Months later, the agonizing death of that wriggling snake still haunted her. Now, when she did happen to see a snake, any kind of snake, she didn't mention it to Tony at all. In fact, sometimes she wished that the whole yard would fill up with slithering rattlesnakes and that Tony would go outside no. barefoot, but of course that didn't happen.
0: No. <laughs> I know, it's just like
1: this is a weird turn. No. She envied them all, the birds, the rabbits, and yes, even the snakes, because they were at least free to come and go as they liked. Angie Kellogg wasn't. All morning long, she had itched to go check in the coat closet and see if this was the morning when the newest briefcase would appear. But she hadn't dared, not with Tony in the house and only asleep. She had learned that he was a very light sleeper, and she didn't want him to catch her prowling around where she shouldn't. Later on, if he went out, which he usually did, she'd have ample opportunity to check. Tony knew a lot about her, but not everything. Her ability to pick the locks on briefcases, for instance was like a carefully guarded secret. Every time the doorbell rang like that in the middle of the night, she knew that in the morning a different briefcase would show up on the shelf in the entryway closet, and it would stay there for a day or two until Tony was called out of town. Then the briefcase would disappear along with the banded packets of currency inside it. Angie understood the connection between the intermittent arrival of money and Tony's subsequent sexual prowess. Tony regarded himself as a hell of a lay, but it was only when the money came or when he went off to do what he called a consulting job that he would come up with a decent hard-on, and those didn't last long. By the next day, he'd be after her, demanding satisfaction despite his perpetually soft dick, and blaming her when it didn't work. Angie was enough of a pro to make it happen most of the time, but it was hard work, much harder than she'd envisioned when Tony Vargas plucked her off the mean streets of East L.A., After the brutality of her last pimp, Tony had seemed a safe haven at first. Now, though, she realized she'd moved from frying pan to fire, and once more, she was searching for a way out. From the bedroom, she heard Tony cough his first hacking cough of the day and flick open his cigarette lighter. He was awake then, finally, and had lit up the morning's first smoke. It was amazing to her that in a house that spacious, Tony said there were almost 5,000 square feet under the roof that she could still hear the tiny click of his damned lighter so distinctly. She hated that sound. It was a signal to her, as plainly as if he had punched a buzzer or rung a bell. Angie knew better than to ignore the arbitrary summons. Pulling the robe closed around her, she went to the kitchen and switched on the Krupp's coffee maker that had been sitting on the counter loaded and ready since nine o'clock that morning. When Tony woke up in the mornings, he always wanted a cigarette, sex, and a cup of coffee, and he wanted them in that exact order. Where are you, Angie? He bellowed from the bedroom. And what the hell are you doing out there?
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a a lot to unpack. Kind of a... I'm like, is he a spy? I I was like, okay, so she's kidnapped. Then is he a spy? And then I was like, oh. So she's like... Human trafficked, yeah, and can't get out, yeah, heavy stuff. It really is. Oh, if she got a zombie, she could k- take care of this pretty quick. Say. If there were
1: a zombie rattlesnake in the yard, <laughs> I mean, the rattlesnake
0: got me because I'm terrified of rattlesnakes, but
1: yeah. I know I am too. Okay. the back of the book. A deputy sheriff lies dying beneath the blistering Arizona sun because he aimed too high and knew too much. Mm. Andy Brady was an honest lawman, a good husband, and a candidate for sheriff of Conchise County. Until a bullet abruptly destroyed his future. Now the police brass are claiming he was a maverick whose involvement in drug running drove him to suicide. But Andy's strong-willed wife, Joanna, knows a cover-up when she hears one and murder when she sees it, and she is relentlessly determined to clear her husband's name. But her obsessive hunt for a killer threatens to place both Joanna and her nine-year-old daughter, Jenny, in serious jeopardy. Because in the desert, the truth can be more lethal than a rattlesnake's bite. Dun, dun, dun. This book is called Desert Heat. And it is red. Of course. Big cactus on the front. That Mm. is bleeding onto a purple flower.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. That is, wait, put it back a little bit. I need to look at those letters because that is so 90s. Yes. Like 80s,
1: 90s. So this was written in 1993 by J.A. Jantz. Uh who um, is actually pretty famous. So she has written a ton of books. And she is not a spring chicken. She is... I think she's... Yeah, she's 76. Got it. I know. I know. So the little barb on the back of the book says... J.A. Jance was raised in Arizona, but now makes her home in Seattle, Washington, where she raised a family and at the same time created an exciting world of mystery and intrigue centered around the adventures of the now-famous police detective J.P. Beaumont. Mm-hmm. There are nine Beaumont novels in print. Hour of the Hunter is her first novel, not to use the Beaumont character, and is set in her native Southwest. In addition, J.A. Jance is now working on a new paperback original series set in Arizona featuring Joanna Brady, the widow of of a sheriff's deputy, which is this book. Nice. She's written a ton of books. I think I read three or four series of books. Oh, wow. And is pretty well known as an author. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's
0: pretty cool. So wait, so the character that you just read about—that's the—that's the wife? No. Oh, that's something completely. Oh, well.
1: No, no. She slips in every once in a while with like a spicy scene. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> spicy scene. Spicy. All right. Next reading. Yes. Walter McFadden's house sat at the top end of Arizona Street, less than half a block from where the town gave way to open desert. Usually, he wouldn't have been there at five o'clock, but Dick Folland had already told Joanna that today McFadden had gone home early. When the eagle turned onto Cole Avenue, his Toyota was parked in the carport behind the red brick house. As Joanna stopped near the back gate, she saw a bright yellow frisbee come sailing off the shaded front porch and fly along just under the eaves of the house. At almost the same instant, a dog launched itself into the yard from three steps up. The dog chased the frisbee and overtook it halfway across the backyard, leaping up and snagging it out of the air with a graceful four-foot arch. Mm. With the frisbee clenched tightly in its teeth, the dog tore back toward the front porch. Good catch, Jennifer commented. I wish Sadie did that good with frisbees. Well, Joanna corrected without thinking. I wish Sadie did that well. Walter McFadden stood up and sauntered off the porch to greet them, carrying an open can of cores, a silver bullet, in one hand. He walked over to the gate with the dog at his heels. Howdy, Joanna, Jennifer, what can I do for you? Can we come in? Sure. Stories about the sheriff's ugly mutt were a legend in Bisbee. The dog, an improbable mixture of half-golden retriever, half-pit bull, had been destined for destruction before Walter McFadden had come to the animal's rescue. As a puppy, the dog had belonged to an escaped felon who was discovered and apprehended while living in an abandoned shack up in Old Bisbee. When the man was picked up and sent back to where he belonged, the dog, a starving pup, was sentenced to death and would have been put down if If the sheriff, newly widowed and terribly lonely, hadn't intervened. Are you sure the dog will be okay? Joanna asked. Sheriff grinned. He's fine. You don't have to worry about Tigger. He may be as ugly as Olsen, but he's real sweet-tempered. Jennifer, following her mother into the yard, peered critically at the dog and made a face. He is kind of ugly, isn't he, she agreed. Why did you name him Tigger, after Winnie the Pooh? Walter McFadden smiled and nodded. That's right. How'd you know? When I was a little, Jenny said, Winnie the Pooh used to be one of my favorite books. It still is one of mine, McFadden said. Although I don't have anyone to read it to now that my own little girl is all grown up. What kind of dog is it? I always say that Tigger's a pit bull wearing a golden retriever suit, McFadden replied seriously. I'm not sure which was which, but either his daddy or his mama must have been a pit bull. That's where he gets the square nose and that god-awful circle around his one eye. The rest of him's pretty much golden retriever. I don't know where the jumping comes from. Can I try throwing for him? Jennifer asked. McFadden glanced quizzically in Joanna's direction, and he picked up on her almost imperceptible nod. You bet, he said, as much as you like. There isn't anything Tigger likes better than having someone throw a frisbee for him. You do that while I talk to your mama.
0: Oh,
1: That's really sweet. I know, I thought that was very heartwarming.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Pitbulls, though. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I guess the golden retriever would probably temper that pitbull down.
1: Yeah. I think it's all in the owner, how they mold that character
0: yeah that personality mm-hmm people's definitely have a very bad reputation
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: and I like how she brought the daughter just to make sure he couldn't turn her away
1: yep exactly very smart mm-hmm. nine-year-old daughter I
0: think she's fine <laughs> yep yeah I'll just bring my nine-year-old daughter around and when I'm doing my investigations
1: <laughs> investigating my husband's death since the police aren't doing it correctly
0: mm-hmm. got to got to do it myself dust off these old private eye books yep yep aaron Brakovich this i know
1: <laughs> well that's maybe that's the angie part <laughs> it was a very like like look at how good this fits in my hand
0: that is a nice like handheld book mine's similar
1: yeah like a little reference book mm-hmm. almost like bird watching but it's for zombies <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh the zombies are coming over the hill let's see what kind yeah. of political <laughs> approach you think these will have <laughs> hold on I think I read about this in here yeah. <laughs> that guy he looks like his human side might they be right there with them. let's just draw a line and uh
1: he looks like a good a good uh representative for the uh for the
0: for the zombie land
1: yes, yes. association
0: <laughs> to speak in was, front of you and then well. I was like and then they release the rattlesnakes just to see what happens next. Oh my gosh. Oh no, it'd be worse. Zombie snakes or zombie sharks or zombie alligators zombie alligators definitely because sharks
1: like it's not like they're gonna jump up on land to try to get you no they wouldn't and snakes unless they're a huge snake like how are they gonna get in your house even if they're huge snakes mm. and there aren't that many of them but alligators I <laughs> alligators feel like are gonna, gonna climb up
0: on those little legs and use yeah. those
1: arms <laughs> They can yeah. climb fences and stuff, and they're nasty. They're <laughs>
0: huge. I'm just imagining this little alligator trying to like climb the fence and then just comes up to the door and be like, uh, <laughs> trying to turn the knob. Yes. It would be so yes. much easier if I had thumbs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. OK. OK. Random page.
1: Oh, it's about Angie again. Oh, yay. Angie wanted out of the life permanently, and she wanted something more besides, a place of her own, small but cozy, with dishes and furniture and curtains that all carried her own particular stamp on them. She'd put up bird feeders all over the backyard, a yard with a single tall shady tree, and she'd plant a garden, one thick with flowers and vegetables both except today she couldn't summon the daydream. Joanna Brady, the wife of the dead deputy, hadn't bothered Angie when she didn't know about her existence. But now she could think of nothing else. Angie Brady was dead at 32. Joanna Brady was a widow at 27, and it was all Angie's fault. She sat there now, staring blindly out the window, struggling with her conscience and with what she should do. Her problem was now twofold not only would she have to escape Tony, but she'd have to elude the law as well. Whatever she did, it had to be soon. She had checked the closet and opened the latest briefcase she found there and seen the money. Getting away from Tony would take money, but those money-filled briefcases didn't stay in the closet for more than a few days at most once they appeared. So speed was essential as far as the availability of money was concerned. It was also the key to survival. Angie understood that if Tony had even the slightest glimmer that she knew the truth about him, he wouldn't hesitate to kill her. Every time he looked at her, she was petrified that her face would somehow betray her, giving away to him the thoughts she meant to keep hidden in her head. If she was going to get away, it would have to be soon before Tony learned her secret, while she could still take his money and use it as a grub stake. But regardless of how much money there was, she doubted there would ever be enough for her to get away from him completely. The only way he'd ever leave her alone was if he was dead or in jail. Dead didn't seem likely, and thugs like Tony got out of jail all the time. And as soon as he got out, she knew he'd be after her. He'd be as vicious as a bulldog and just as relentless. She didn't dare think about what he'd do if he ever caught her. If she did come up with a plan for getting away, she'd have to come up with a foolproof plan for getting rid of Tony as well. She couldn't see herself holding a gun on him and pulling the trigger. But she needed something every bit as permanent as a well-placed bullet, something that wouldn't land her in jail as well. Angie, he bellowed from the other room. She jumped as though she'd been shot. He was awake early and wanting her. Lost in thought she hadn't even heard the click of a cigarette lighter. Did you start the coffee? Not yet, I will in a minute. Bring me the paper, he ordered. Turn on the TV set in here. I wish to hell I'd asked for that television repairman to come today instead of Saturday. This worthless little set sucks. So goddamn small, a man can go blind just trying to see what's on it. Hurry up with the coffee.
0: I like the suspense. Yeah. I like the way that she builds the suspense in it. It's really nice.
1: Yeah, I... I like the way that Angie thinks and you can kind of, like, get into her head and get lost in her own thoughts about, like, oh, I want this, I want this, but now
0: I've got to do this, and what can I do? And how can and I get to that point? And he way. breaks in. Mm-hmm. With Angie, there's there's definitely a tension that's always there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah,
1: I agree. It's like you're just waiting for something to happen. It's like a good suspenseful, mo- suspenseful movie where you somebody's like digging through something in the dark trying to find something and even if they're not on the like even if they're a bad person or like doing a bad thing you're like hurry 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 before you get caught like I feel like that's very human to like yeah want them to finish
0: I mean I didn't read the book but it's kind of like how bad of a person is she really
1: yeah it doesn't seem like she's very bad and she seems very young. I think I read, like, a part in it where she's, like, 22 or something. Oh, gosh. I know. Because I was surprised because when I was planting through different parts, I kind of pictured her as, like, a 40-year-old. And just, like, jaded, strung-out prostitute. But she's quite young.
0: She's young, <laughs> jaded, strung-out prostitute. <laughs> well, I guess if this
1: guy with a ton of money is keeping her around. hmm Yeah. But right. she's smart at the same time. Yeah.
0: She knows exactly what everything means in her environment.
1: hmm
0: And she doesn't yes. really like death, which is with the rattlesnakes.
1: I kind of like that. Like, there's a definite difference. I've read books like this before where the author is male. Mm-hmm. There's a definite difference in the way that they do these scenes. Like, even talking about earlier where the, what was his name, Tony couldn't get it up and she had to like help him like just kind of a clinical way that was talked about instead of just like almost making it like erotic like a male I feel like a male author would have I don't know it was really interesting do you think that
0: it would have been compared to like a wilting banana or
1: something <laughs> no but I feel like it would have been more like I don't even know how to describe it. Like I've read these books before, where it's like, oh, she's got to do this. Then it like describes more of her body and her sexuality. Oh, it's so you know, focusing yeah. on that instead it's of hot. she's just like, oh, I know the tricks. Like I'll just do the them. Tricks. Yeah, you know,
0: it doesn't focus on. And then she use she'll use her boobs, like her ample boobs. <laughs> He likes them when they bounce. Yeah. Perfectly. I don't know how boobs perfectly bounce. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm gonna bounce perfectly today for you. My like boobs so are gonna bounce perfectly today. Guess I'm not wearing a sports bra. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I saw a TikTok where somebody was like reading a part of a book where they talked about the woman caressing her own boobs with the back of her hand. <laughs> and they were
0: like <laughs> like, like this is like an alligator opening up a back door
1: yes exactly it was just a really funny and awkward looking because she was like kind of looking sexy and then it was like I think I think there were words on the screen that was like I just read this part in this book and this woman took off her shirt and then Paused for a moment and looked down at her boobs and then caressed the back, of her boobs with her, or caressed her
0: boobs with the back of her hand. <laughs> just, she's just like wiping up? Like, like <laughs> it just seems yeah. so <laughs> not sexy at all. So, yeah. I feel like it's I don't know. It's really weird when you see people try to be sexy and then they do try to do like their sexy face the same time that they're doing something that would be considered ridiculous. Be like yes Funny yeah man, that's a sexy face it's what it it's like a duck face
1: yeah yeah I remember that, that there was this author that I listened to that was talking about she wrote like erotica or something and she was talking about how her husband came in and started reading over her shoulder as she was writing she'd <gasps> just written this scene where the guy like goes over every inch of her body and explores every orifice and her husband just like stuck his finger in her ear
0: (laughs) i'm exploring every orifice of your body i know she said she changed the wording (laughs) i just remember reading that years ago and thinking that was
1: hilarious or maybe i listened to it i don't remember oh anyways yeah You have two hundred and forty-six pages to choose
0: from. Um, two-ten, two-ten. We're trapped, Angie
1: wailed, shrinking back into the building. No, we're not, Joanna insisted terminally. This way. She dragged Angie down the ramp to the place where she remembered. There, at a landing where the ramp doubled back, a dilapidated door had been built into the stuccoed wall. Barely daring to hope, Joanna tried the handle. The door was locked, but the weathered door shuddered and creaked when she pushed against it. She tried again, shoving harder this time. The wood seemed to give way beneath her body. Strengthened by a surge of fear, summoned adrenaline, she threw herself against the door. This time, it sprang open, spilling both women headfirst into an abandoned street above a weed-choked yard. Gasping for breath, Joanna leaped up and attempted to prop the door back shut. Inside the hotel, the clanging alarm ceased abruptly, leaving behind a strangely pregnant silence. Joanna held her breath and tried to listen over the rush of blood in her own ears. Sure enough, on the far side of the hotel, between it and the Presbyterian church next door, she heard at least one pair of pounding feet. Joanna hurried back to Angie, who was on her hands and knees in the rocks, patchy weeds, broken glass, and blowing trash, searching for something. "'Come on,' Joanna whispered urgently. "'Someone's coming!' My thong came off, Angie whispered back. I can't find it anywhere.
0: Her thong came off? <laughs> Your face is exactly like my brain just was until I read ahead. I, like, I was like reading like my phone. I was like, no, they don't have phones, then. Her thong? Her thong came off. You'll
1: have to go barefoot. Come on.
0: <laughs> thong sandals. For uh, but, those who weren't able to connect that, they, those were thong standing. My thought process was, how in the world did her thong come off pushing through? Was, like, was, was it like, it wasn't the time in the 90s where you put your like thong, like the G-string straps like above your hips? Oh my God. <laughs> remember that? Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. I think <laughs> that finishes up that random
1: reading. <laughs> My thong came off. My thumb came off. It's funny because I paused because I was trying to understand what was happening. And I looked at your face and your face was just paused because you couldn't <laughs> understand. Wait a
0: second here. <laughs> Wait a second. There's Why you- would you be looking in broken glass to put your thumb back on? <laughs> and how far could it have gone? Like, is it really that great of a thong? Like, if your thong falls on broken glass, and leaves, <laughs> I feel like you should just leave it behind. And just
1: pull your skirt down, pull your pants up, whatever happened, leave that thong.
0: I mean, it sounds like you're busting out of someplace where a little bit of indecent exposure is not your greatest concern at the moment. Agreed. Agreed you know just be a zombie and don't worry about your outward appearance
1: <laughs> hopefully at this point you're so dirty already that they won't even notice you're
0: not right yeah it's, you're probably hairy that's why you lost your <laughs> thong in the first place lost it in the hair. your body just pushed
1: it away we're
0: done we're <gasps> done we're I, What's that? we can't that? contain this anymore it's too <laughs> hairy Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He's a hairy prostitute. Some guys like that. Hey, to each their own. All natural. Yes. And on that note. (laughs) Exploring every hairy crevices. (laughs) That's what I just thought of and I had to say it. I'm sorry. Oh, ear hair.
1: I see what we're talking about here. Don't let society tell you you have to trim your ear hair. I mean. Or your nose hair. Or any hair. I mean, decide if you want to do it. Do it for yourself. Don't do it for other people. Yeah. Unless they're no. your spouse and
0: they beg you to do it. I mean, remember. Because it hurts them. Great Britain has your back with its zombies rights group. Yes. Move to Great Britain. Moved to Great Britain and joined that group. group. Right, what was it? The citizens of Undead Rights and Equality. Yes. 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 They got your back. All of a sudden, they get like this huge jump in membership. (laughs) (laughs) Two people join. (laughs) <laughs> people trying They're like, "Yes, the movement!" Oh my god. Um, but really, it's just a secret society of vampires. Dun dun dun! The flip. Sell bait and switch. That's what I was looking for. Not the flip. <laughs> the flip. The flip. What <laughs> it is a vampire king? <laughs> oh man so we both went a little bit more serious this week
1: I know don't worry next week I've got a zinger I already picked it
0: out oh man I mean I do have one that I could pull out from the Austin stash but I might have to go find some new books Mm,
1: this book is not from the Austin stash I think I got at the little library maybe near my house okay yeah a little free library which i guess we could also get books from our library i guess we could but is it the same make my
0: history a little weird your history my my borrowing history <laughs> all of a sudden <laughs> just, your algorithms are all messed up <laughs>
1: That's happened to me on Facebook where I accidentally click an ad and then all of a sudden I get ads for all of these weird things.
0: I get the weirdest reading book ads, <gasps> ads on mine. I have to always take screenshots of them. I'm not going to say which ads they are for these online writing things. Werewolves. Oh my gosh, there's werewolves. You guys get the same ones. I accidentally clicked on it because I was like, what is this? Sometimes Not to go, to go to the website. website. But I was I just confused. Actually, but there's like this one photo that really got me where it was like this overly pregnant lady. Like, it looked like she probably could have 12 chill, twelve pups mm-hmm. in her stomach. And there, and there was, was a wolf behind her, behind her or something. And there was a guy in a suit behind her
1: yes no this is the one that caught me i was like but what is this there are only four lines in the text but i can click and there's more and suddenly it was like
0: 20 pages more (laughs) and i just have to read it it. and i'm just like this is complete clickbait here sometimes the pictures don't make any sense with what you read yes there's (laughs) there's like scenes from a movie and what so
1: first of all one of the commenters on that first thing (laughs)
0: <laughs> there were only two
1: comments and one just said no <laughs> and the second one said please what is this <laughs> so the second one that was like this movie which is why i was confused because they don't usually get movie ads so i thought one of my friends posted it yeah i was like what is this the comment said that it was actually from some sort of turkish tv show that they had stolen for their Ebook, I guess. Wow. Because it was completely random why this ad would have like movie scenes. Yeah. Weird. Anyways, now I get a lot of those because this just happened yesterday to me. Mm. And so now
0: it's like every five posts on Facebook as I'm scrolling is this? this thing i don't get on i don't get on facebook as much so i haven't seen them as much but whenever i get like the big like a really good zinger i'll always take a screenshot and i send it to my coworker. and i'm like guess what this one's about oh i not get to send these to you these
1: are all about like because i've read a couple of them because i was curious about like what is happening basically what that, that yeah. the second commenter said. Um, over It's weird, like the alpha, and yes, he yeah. was unexpected
0: and, like, so yes, the 16, only
1: virgin over 16. I'm like, Whoa, what?
0: Why I'm, am I getting this? I was like, she didn't want to be he, like, she didn't want to be mated with him, but Luna is always da da da. Like, I'm just like. I don't understand. Where did werewolf culture get this big? And one of the one of the one of the illustrations is this big,
1: muscly, like good-looking guy, and he has a wolf's tail coming
0: out of his butt with a little bell. <laughs> oh my god there was one that was like saved by the alpha and it's like this big wolf and this little girl approaching the wolf and i was like this is wrong i don't even yeah. want to really read this but then sometimes like that will be the picture and you start reading it it's like she's a teenager da, da, da. i'm like okay then why does the photo look like little red riding hood child. Yeah. This, is, this is like a six-year-old here ew yeah ew. like child queens all over That's- again <laughs>
1: There was this one that I saw today that was this girl, and she's like, no, go away or something. But then it's like, I guess the guy is in his wolf mode, and he's just, like, sniffing her crotch.
0: <laughs> and I'm just oh, like, no. who drew this? Somebody with a dog drew this, but, like, why? Oh, I like how it is, like, the inner voice goes, Luda said, Mate, mate, mate. <laughs> We've totally read the same ones because I was so confused. I feel like most, most of are them are like that. Give I feel like this. we could probably choose werewolf books. <laughs> different werewolf books. I almost want to choose a story. For, I, I'm getting on Facebook right now to see if
1: they give me one because I'm so sure. Oh yeah, Let me look, see if I get one. Second post. All I could see See, was a haze. Everywhere I turned, there were bodies shuddering.
0: We're literally just talking about this right now. No.
1: The alpha walked toward the water, ignoring the gaggle of girls following him. He looked like he wanted to be left alone. It made me curious. It made me want to draw him. Sure, I know it was a risk to draw the alpha, but how could I resist?
0: <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
1: This is that okay, one. Okay. In other words, there was no one in the pack older than 16 who was a virgin. What? Like,
0: what? Okay, I'm not getting any anymore, so you must have taken them all from me. Dang it, take him back. <laughs> okay. I got a bunch of dog stuff now. And I'm getting a lot of BuzzFeed stuff. <gasps> yeah, I have I lost, all of, my, right there.
1: I lost I, all of my... I lost all of my... I will shit. share one with you in Messenger. You can click on it to read it, and then you'll have them back.
0: I really don't know if I want to do that. I mean, this is not... what Our podcast, we made a point not to to do these stories because I think we would lose it pretty quickly. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. oh, We can find some published ones and I actually know of a series that was published on Amazon. So I don't know. Could I get some of those if it's like a Kindle book?
1: I don't see why not. I mean a book's a book. Okay, I just sent you a screenshot. Please look yes. at it.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me describe this this, this photo for everybody. So, wait, right, all I could see was Hayes. Hayes isn't even capitalized on this.
1: No. Is, oh, is I it- think, I don't think Hayes is a person. I think Hayes is a haze of something like it was
0: hazy like fog i know but all i could see was haze like you I don't think you can see just hey <laughs> wait to me if oh, okay yeah it I should be like i okay. see what you're saying okay and then everywhere i turned there were bodies so that doesn't make sense well you could see it was haze, and then you turn around. And there was bodies. Okay, so this body, everybody, is <laughs> very well Segway. Segue. Very well manicured beard, not all the way grown in, with a mustache. Um, he may have filled in his eyebrows, or they're just that bushy. We don't know
1: but trimmed well trimmed i mean super thick but very well shaped he
0: he either had a workout that got really sweaty or he put gel in his hair or he just got out of the water
1: Mm
0: -hmm. one hand looks like it's supposed to be going through his hair but it looks like it's just holding up the back of his head And then he did the oh. I can raise just one eyebrow while looking. Very slightly. He's just looking slightly. I think it's supposed to be smoldering, but his eyes don't get that smolder. It's smolder. Smolder. And then he has no shirt on. No armpit hair. So he's very, like, metro well groomed. He is very well groomed. He is not a zombie in the. <laughs> um and yeah that's uh that's about it he has no shirt on he's just kind of smoldering at you and the alpha has his eye on her dot 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 i'm sure (laughs) and in the tagline below it says feel the heat (laughs) exclamation mark and you did as soon as you opened this photo i felt his body heat and need for it I don't even want to say shower because it's not a shower to cool myself down it's more of like a this is just like
1: two not even two posts it's two posts down what the why am I getting so many now that I've
0: interacted (laughs) I think it's because I was off Facebook for a while So I haven't gotten so many of those and I've been actually blocking it from sharing my data. Good. So that might be another reason that they haven't gotten to me with more werewolf stories. And honestly, why are they all werewolves? If somebody is really into this area, please send us an email and explain to us why they're all werewolves, Yeah. You can email us at literarylaughing at gmail.com. Thank if you me. have your own favorite story that you've discovered through your own ad by accident, oh, that's another photo that you just sent me. <laughs> or, you know, that you that you like and you think that we might find it interesting, go ahead and send it to us. We are more than happy. Please do. I just have this to mention is such an awkward photo. It's not a photo, it was a video. Oh my god. It's a god. video
1: of him embracing a woman while looking at
0: another one. Oh.
1: Anyways. Yes. Send us an email. Send us recommendations. Send us the weird ads you get on Facebook.
0: Yeah, love we, you.
1: we don't care. We are also on Instagram at the Literary Laughing. Yes. Not Uh, Literary Laughing. We don't know who that is. We are at the Literary Laughing.
0: Yeah. If you do have that account and want to give it to us. We will take it. We will. We will send you some wonderful werewolf stories as a thank you. I'll send you Desert Heat. Ooh. I don't know if There's I can talk back national politics and zombies. I mean, I have to be prepared.
1: Yeah, yeah, keep that book. We don't know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> this is how we survive. Send us your own survival techniques. Most importantly, go read a book.